0: USA Radio News with Chris Barnes.
1: On one hand, Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer says Republicans and Democrats are far apart on a number of issues as they try to negotiate a new coronavirus relief package. But at the same time, Schumer says they are finally starting to move in the right direction.
2: Because Republicans could not articulate a position on hardly anything, I believe we're making progress. We came closer together on several issues.
1: Meanwhile, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is blaming Democrats for refusing to budge on their proposed bill, which he says includes a thousand unrelated things to the pandemic. Tropical Storm Issa Eas has moved through the mid-Atlantic states more quickly than earlier expected, now moving up into New Jersey as well as southern New York, where it could still be a huge rainmaker. This is USA Radio News. President Trump says he wants to help communities in rural areas. He spoke at the White House yesterday.
3: Furthermore, I am directing the Department of Agriculture, Department of Health and Human Services and the Federal Communications Commission to form a task force that will break down barriers to expanding rural health care.
1: While the two White House contenders are pretty much known, primary elections are still scheduled today in five states, Michigan, Kansas and Arizona, Missouri, and Washington State. Between the coronavirus pandemic and the riots in the streets of America growing out of demonstrations against racial injustice and police brutality, more and more Americans are looking to buy guns. CNN reports the FBI completed nearly 4 million firearm background checks in June, the highest ever recorded in a single month. The agency performed over 17 million checks between March and July. That was 12 million over the same period last year. USA Radio News. Investigators believe they have determined the cause of the Southern California Apple Fire, which continues to rage. Here's USA Radio's John Hunt with details.
6: A vehicle malfunction is behind a large Southern California wildfire that has forced the evacuations of thousands and is threatening hundreds of homes. In a statement, state and local fire officials said multiple eyewitnesses saw diesel-fueled vehicles emitting burning carbon from their exhaust system on Friday afternoon in the small Riverside County community of Cherry Valley, roughly 80 miles east of Los Angeles. What began as several spot fires has grown into the 26,450-acre Apple Fire. More than 2, and firefighters are working to extinguish the blaze which is only five percent contained i'm john hunt
1: Energy company BP is reporting a $6.7 billion second quarter loss due to the fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. The energy giant also laying out part of its plans to become a net zero carbon emissions company by 2040. That plan includes cutting oil and gas production by 40 percent in 10 years. Wyoming authorities say 12 people were hurt yesterday morning when three hot air balloons crashed in Jackson Hole. The balloons were carrying 36 people in total. 11 people had to be taken to local hospitals. They're expected to recover. One person was airlifted to a trauma center where they are being treated for critical injuries. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes.
7: It's Rick Tittle!
8: Alright, thank you for that and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with your host Rick Tittle. That would be me, the eponymous one, coming to you from my house in uh, the Oakland area of San Francisco Bay, the east side, Dominic Jimenez on the other side of the bay in the Sports Byline Studios where I'd normally be if it wasn't for a pandemic. Yeah, but uh, we've been doing it uh, here from my house cardboard box under the bar track since March on giving you the fantastic programming that we do each and every day i'm on nine to noon pacific time that's noon to three on the east coast Add of subtract time accordingly wherever you might happen to be listening <clears throat> and um, what we do here is we talk sports for three hours uh it's live baby uh get on in and get her there's a toll-free line 1-800-878-PLAY 1-800-878-7529 as we can get into the uh, topics And the great thing about this show is I'm so... No, it's that I'll talk about any sport that you would like. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quota, trouble, ball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket. It doesn't matter. Even the sports I don't really like. I'm open-minded. There's room in my heart for all sports. On eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play Abroad and at home on AFN. That is the American Forces Radio Network, of which I am a FAN of. You're doing a great job keeping us and our allies safe, and we know you don't make policy. You volunteered for this, and we certainly appreciate all that you do, so stay safe. and We hope we see you at home very, very soon. Some applicable applications for receiving the programming include the TuneIn Radio app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app as well. Uh, Today we have, of course, Tuesday, first hour, salesporttalk.com. Karen Lyle will join me in about 15 minutes. For Kane, our friend will also be along again, our resident America's Cup expert. We'll also have uh, Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. We'll check in with Carlos Silva from World Team Tennis. All that and more under one roof, the Costco of Sports Talk. Rick Tittle with you. We'll
2: take a quick break. Come on back. For muscle pain, body aches to strains, Blue Emu Maximum Arthritis. It works fast and you won't stink. Its unique formula with Emu Oil... Penetrates deep to relieve arthritis pain, sore muscles, joints, and more. Blue Emu Maximum Arthritis. It works fast and you won't stink. Find Blue Emu at Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and other chains. Or visit blue-emu.com. Blue Emu Maximum Arthritis. It works fast and you won't stink.
0: This summer, turn your yard into the perfect getaway. Whether it's a lawn spruce up, a fresh coat of paint or a s'mores worthy patio upgrade HomeAdvisor has the best landscapers painters handymen and more to get the job done right with the HomeAdvisor app it's never been easier to check prices schedule and pay for hundreds of everyday home projects in just seconds for any project you're dreaming of you can count on home advisor so get the home advisor app and we'll do everything to fix up your everything hey travelers
5: That's 855-325-1780.
9: If you owe the IRS back taxes, don't worry. There's a bright side. The experts at brightsidetaxrelief.com will protect you from having your wages garnished, money deducted from your bank account, and your home or business seized. brightsidetaxrelief.com will fight the IRS and negotiate to reduce or eliminate the amount you owe. Visit brightsidetaxrelief.com or call 800-730-4313. That's 800-730-4313. The consultation is free. Go to brightsidetaxrelief.com now.
10: Between jobs, retiring, or just need health or life insurance, please visit myhealth-quotes.com or call 833-687-5261. Before you try to get a quote online, call us. We will provide you with the information most sites will not. We teach you exactly what life or health insurance plan you qualify for, how to use your plan, and maximize your benefits. We provide you with the information to make a knowledge-based decision to ensure selecting the right plan. myhealth-quotes.com to schedule
8: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. And lines are available if you would uh, like to chime in. We'd love to hear from you at the toll-free line, 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529 will get you in and uh, get you heard. We have salesporttalk.com coming up uh, in the next couple segments here. Uh, Well, at least for the next two segments. Um, Yesterday I heard news that Ralph Barbieri had passed away at the age of, uh, 74. And, um, you, if you're not from the Bay area, you probably never heard of him, And if you weren't into sports talk and you lived in the Bay area, you probably never heard of him, but he was a very iconic guy, um, for a long time on KNBR where he had his sports phone 68 show. And then years later, um, he, uh, was, he had a co-hosts forced upon him it's funny he came back from a vacation from Russia and Bob Agnew and Tony Salvatore at KNBR told him you're gonna be doing this with Tom Tolbert the former warrior and Ralph literally went back to Russia (laughs) so but um, then they did it for about 15 years in drive time and uh, the Razor and Mr. T he was dubbed uh, Razor Voice by uh, Herb Kane Uh, As I mentioned, uh, his son Chris will be with us here in the next segment. And he had a, his delivery was kind of like this. But I've always gotten Ralph's back. Um, It's funny when you hear these eulogies now about how much he loved the Bay Area. He despised the Oakland A's after what happened in... uh, 1989 just despised him. And I know that for a fact because I worked with Ralph in TV and the things he said about the A's, he was so mad that his beloved giants finally got to the world series for the first time since 1962. And they were duly swept right out of the Bay with an earthquake in between the two games. Despise the A's. But that's the thing about Ralph. He could rub you the wrong way. Never rubbed me the wrong way. And When I was coming out of St. Mary's College in 1988, a former football and lacrosse player took me five years to graduate, trying to figure out what I was going to do, and there was no internet, and these job boards uh, were filling up fast. Uh, Well, as I said, there would be nothing there, and then somebody would grab it. You had to know someone, and I didn't know anybody in broadcasting, and so I wrote letters to TV people and radio people and I wrote a letter to Ralph and Ralph wrote me back and he said um hey good luck Rick he didn't know who I was um call this guy at Cambiar tell him I said to set up an interview with you and he did it out of the kindness of his heart and I don't know at the time I thought maybe because he's a USF guy and I was a St. Mary's guy, and I was at a Catholic school thing, I don't know what it was, but I never forgot that. And I went to KMBR and I interviewed, and they offered me a, um, a weekend board op position. And at that time, I was getting into television where I worked for 10 years and I took the TV opportunity, which was a much better opportunity, <clears throat> but that was very nice of Ralph. And then years later, When Barry Zito was making his comeback with the A's, remember he spent the entire year in Nashville. uh, And then they gave him one start against Tim Hudson, and they flew out Mark Mulder. Remember that a few years ago? And the A's and Giants, they both were like lousy teams. (laughs) And I was on 95.7 The Game, uh, which at that time was the A's flagship. I was doing pre and post, but I was doing a four-hour solo show one night and um, those are the days I would do this show, and then I would hang out in my office at Byline, and then I'd go over there. I would do seven hours solo, um, Hope solo, Han solo, trying to keep my voice around. But anyway, I, we were someone was talking about Barry Zito and the $126 million contract he signed, and I remember the Mets had offered— 75 million this was literally 51 million dollars more he was going to be reunited with his old pitching guru rick peterson in new york but he decided to sign with the giants he said to win but obviously it was for the money and who wouldn't um and he got the locker locker next to the other barry but uh i said do you remember when ralph on the giants flagship did an interview with barry zito and actually asked him to give some of the money back we go to a break i got a phone call. Uh, my producer said, Rick, it's Ralph Barbieri. How he had the studio line, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I'm like, hey, Ralph. He's like,
12: uh, yeah, yeah, Rick, uh,
8: you're doing a great job. Really respect what you do. But uh, I, I didn't, just to, just to correct you a little bit, I, did, I didn't ask him to, uh, to, to give the money back. I, I actually asked him to give the money to charity. But now he goes. But you're doing a great job. I really like your show. I'm like, oh, and that meant a lot to me, coming from Ralph. You now, Ralph's the legend. And <clears throat> I never told him, hey, you, you There's no way you could remember this, but you actually got me an interview, and I was right out of college. Um, but I came on the air. I, I amended to what I said, and I said, told the Bay Area, just remember, uh, folks, that Ralph is listening. When Ralph got fired by KMBR, it was right when 95-7 the game was starting, and they brought him on with laryngitis, but they brought him on, and it was a mistake by Jason Barrett, our PD, He was a good guy. I like Jason Barrett. He gave me an opportunity. He let me do the A's games and all that, but he had um, my buddy Brandon Tierney and uh, Eric Davis interview him, and they didn't know who he was. So It was kind of awkward. They sh- he should have let me and Towney do it. He sh- you know, let some Bay Area people who— We were out for years and years interviewing, but whatever, he came on and said his piece and there were rumors he was coming over to the FM side. Never did. Um, By the way, the only time somebody ever called me during a break was Billy Bean when he kind of yelled at me in 95.7 and said, do you think I listen to you? You think I even know when your show's on? And I said, no, apparently not. And then they're like, Billy's on the phone for you. I'm like, yeah. He goes, how come you weren't laughing? I'm like, what? How come you weren't laughing? I was joking. I go, oh, that's right. I'm a big boy, Billy. It's fine. I'm not offended. He goes, I know, but it was a joke. I was laughing. You should have been laughing. I go, oh, okay. I didn't know it was a joke. (laughs) I'm sure his wife or somebody was like, wow, you sounded like a real a-hole. And he's like, I did. Oops. Anyway, um, Ralph was an icon, and um, he um, had been living... Parkinson's for some 15 years. I was reading an article by Tom Fitzgerald this morning on the Chronicle about how he had gone to Brazil to speak to a spiritual doctor. He had gone to the Mayo Clinic. You know, Ralph was a guy who, um, you know, until he was in his, um, really his fifties, you know, he was a single guy and never wanted to get married and he had his son, Tate, who was very important to him. And from what I heard, he was a really good dad. And it's, uh, you know, it's sad. He was 74 years old. Um, And Parkinson's, I don't know how long people live with Parkinson's. But as I said, he had it in 05 and lasted another 15 years. Um, So he was doing something right. Apparently he was taking 68, KMBR 68 pills a day. Um, but you know, no one will ever be razor voice and no one, I, I remember one time Ralph literally, and, I, and I'm not kidding. Cause I listened to Ralph. It was the only, we only had one sports station in the Bay area, which is no, no other big market would say something that stupid, but we did for years. We had one sports station. He got open a ballot. He went through every measure. He told people how they should vote and he could get away with it. That was Ralph. He did whatever he wanted. He'd show up while the open was playing. And uh, anyway, he helped me out. He was always cool to me. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come on back with Karen Lyle and Christopher Kane. All right, thank you for that. And welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you. That's a little uh, Christopher Cross. And we have another CC, Christopher Kane, with us in studio because uh, he's along with my co host, Karen Lyle. As uh, on Tuesdays in the first hour, we do salesporttalk.com, which has to be the only nationally syndicated radio show in the history of the world to talk sailing on a weekly basis because, Karen, it is your passion, isn't it?
9: It has become so, yes, <laughs> I was born into it, and I am going going strong
8: also, no one gives you more pre game, so to speak, on the Americas Cup, which is months away than we do, and Christopher Kane, that is your fort, isn't it, the america's cup
2: oh boy, if that's my forte, uh that's a pretty low bar there. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Christopher, how are you doing over there in the studio? We're we're here stuck at home, and you get to sit in the beautiful studio with I,
2: all I, those. Signatures I get to sit on Rick's walls. throne. It is quite a fabulous piece of furniture. Uh, <laughs> the rhinestones kind of pitch you in weird places, but you know, it's nice.
8: It's better than the uh, bed of nails that used to be in there,
2: or the throne of lies.
8: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Karen, you got Chris. You what's what's going on today here, kid?
9: Well, you know, we have added some photographs to our um, our platform if you go to com, You remember last week, uh, the week before last, we were talking to, um, to Robin Knox Johnson, and the very next day, he went on a ride of his life on Britannia, Inos' team, um, competitive boat for the America's Cup, and he sent me photographs of him on the boat with Ben Ainsley, and you'll remember Ben from the San Francisco uh, America's Cup that we had here. He was a tactician, plus he's just a, a, a really amazing sailor with many credits to his name, including Olympian. And so today, we're just talking about, you know, the Clipper race meeting, the Team Ineos, and about America's Cup and all that kind of stuff. So, um, Christopher, tell us a little bit about the... Um, the photograph of Sir Robin sitting on the back of Britannia, he was sitting on the port side stern, and um, you know, what is it that you noticed when you were looking at those photographs uh, about the construction and design of this boat?
2: Well, I mean, 1st fr- first, let's talk about what a great ride he got. Um, you know Sir Robin oh. is a legendary ocean racer, has uh, for at one point had the record for the fastest circumnavigation. Uh, in a race of the globe, uh, has been through storms and the Southern Ocean, and this guy is about as battle-hardened a sailor as you can imagine. And he had this look of awe and amazement on his boat, on the boat, which I found the most the most fabulous part. Because if you're going to dazzle uh, Sir Robin Knox Johnson, you you got to bring it, because uh, there's pretty much nothing on a boat this guy hasn't seen or experienced. Um, but but like I experienced when I got on the the big cats here in San Francisco, the, the speed and the acceleration are really quite amazing. Um, but one of the things that he talked about, and, and I think this is interesting in terms of, you know, we're starting to see some uh, some accidents, some near accidents on, on the boats as they're starting to train and they're starting to up their speeds down in New Zealand. And one of the things he talked about was how, how flat the boat was. Um, you know, normally in, in a monohull sailboat, uh, when the wind starts to blow, the boat starts to, to keel over, and as a sailor and as someone driving that boat, um, you, you learn to sort of feel it the same way that race car drivers talk about how they can feel their front wheels when they're going into a curve. Um, you can feel the weight of that boat start to shift. You can feel the pressure move, and there's ways that a, a monohull in the water starting to load up can can tip you off when bad things are starting to happen. And one of the things about these boats is they're very stable up until the moment they're not. And, you know, it doesn't have that tell. They talk about cars uh, that don't give you any information before the back end comes out. And we're starting to sort of see this, that these boats look great until they don't. And and that, that I think is one thing Is for Robin talked about was, you know, the the feedback you're getting in these boats when— you're not getting that healing action. You're not being able to feel the weight move in the boat and the pressure build. And it's just flat on that hydrofoil, no matter how much pressure is being put on it, until things happen. And that was the most interesting part to me.
8: Christopher, tell us a little bit more about Tim, uh, Team Ineos, because I remember the, the, the Tour de France, they used to have um, Team Sky. Yep. From the, uh, the network there, which turned into Team Ineos is this the same? Uh, it's the same, the same outfit,
2: and just like you'll see, you know, beer companies and banks sponsor a lot of advertising in parks here in the United States for sports. Uh, Team Ineos, and, and it's Ineos actually. Uh, Team Ineos is is definitely a big sponsor, along with people like Vodafone in Europe, who sponsor a lot of different sports and leagues. And uh, and yeah, they took over for for the Beeb. Uh, with uh, the, the the with the uh, Tour de France and and now they are the major backer for the America's Cup and you know you need big backers because what has happened with these new boats and started with the catamarans and has continued to this class is you need a lot of computers you need a lot of data you need a lot of processing you need a lot of wind tunnel work um, this is you know we all loved watching SpaceX this weekend. Um, but there, there's quite a lot of engineering and science that goes into these boats, and, and you need big backers. You see Boeing uh, part of these. You see Airbus as part of these. Uh, not surprisingly, boats, uh, companies like Boeing and, and Airbus who have experience and history and models for what uh, liquid dynamics over foils look like, which is basically what you're doing now with these sailboats.
8: All right, well, let's go to the Piano Finder's call-in line. By the way, it is open at 800-878-PLAY. Once again, Piano Finder's call-in line, 800-878-7529. And we have Carol up there in El Dorado Hills. Go ahead, Carol.
9: Well, good morning. How are you?
8: Good morning, Carol.
9: Good. Hey, I have a question about America's Cup. Um, I volunteered for the one in San Francisco in 2013. Loved volunteering. Uh, since it's in New Zealand and they're not taking a lot of people in, is there still going to be uh, volunteer opportunities for people abroad?
2: Well, I mean, that that really depends on on the syndicates. I I think you're going to see a lot of that happen. I think if the uh, second America's Cup syndicate from America actually manages to sneak in, uh, I I think there could be opportunities for that. It's a lot harder now, I think, in the past, like in Valencia, in the, in the good old days of the big monoholes, you, you could troop down there and, and find gigs. I think with uh, with COVID, it's going to be a lot more difficult. And uh, in fact, when American Magic, the, the first American team got down there, they had to get a special dispensation uh, to get into the country. And they still had to be quarantined, which is why you're just seeing them on the water this week. Um, so you know, it, it's, it's a lot harder now, unfortunately, because you're right. One of the great things about... Uh, the America's Cup, because there's always been a large volunteer army around it, and, and that's that's part of what makes it fun.
8: Thanks for the call, Carol. Appreciate it. Once again, lines are open at 800-878-PLAY. Go ahead, Karen.
9: You know, um, I was wondering about the sound on the boat when you're, when you're lifting the hull out of the water, and so I asked Sir Robin, because he uh, is right now sailing across the Bristol Channel and couldn't call into the show, but he sent me this note. He said... It just has some creaking as the loads are applied, and then a modest hum at 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 speed. And I also noticed that he mentioned in um, that that he has a lot of chatter going on because all of the team are talking to each other about the trim and about you know adjusting the boat as they especially as they go through those turns. Um, Christopher, what what is um, your opinion about? about um the movement of that boat and how the experience is for for the person riding in it. who's not necessarily
2: yeah, yeah, part of the team. Riding in a in a big foiling boat is, is strange because there is um you do hear things differently. And and the boat, he's right about the boat vibrating. I, I experienced the same thing on the cast in San Francisco. And you definitely feel that 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 humming kind of like the whole boat's kind of vibrating it, and you pick that up. There's different sounds. You're a lot more aware of the of the wind, and uh, you're a lot a lot more aware of the whistling. Um, and it, it's definitely a different set of, of, of noises. And, and again, um, I think for sailors who are used to feeling and hearing a boat and kind of picking up uh, telltales that things are going well or things are about to go poorly, I, I think there's a, a different set of instincts that the sailors are having to develop now in terms of, what is the boat telling me right now, and what does that uh, mean for what's coming up? And, you know, again, for someone who's raced monoholes my, my, my entire life, um, a, a boat feels a certain way to me, and these boats don't feel like that. And so that, that's going to be a learning experience, and they were, they were just kind of getting their arms around the catamarans, and now we've, we've bounced to another new class, and uh, that, that learning process has to start all over again.
8: That's Christopher Kane in our studios in downtown San Francisco. Karen Lyle, a co host of SalesportTalk.com in the East Bay Hills, as am I, your host, Rick Tittle. We still have another segment to go with Christopher, and we welcome your calls. This is in the Piano Founders Guest Line, which is 800 878 Play. You can also uh, shoot us a, um, an email, those will come straight to me, rick at sportsbyline.com. But encourage you. Um, I'm a neophyte uh, at sailing, as you can probably tell from my questions. Uh, but if you're an expert sailor, uh, we have two of them with us as well. So the line is 1 800 878 play. Once again, 1 800 878 7529. We'll take a quick break. Come on back with another segment. I'm Rick Tittle on Sports Bio.
11: Come when I those square They promise to those kills that you're park I wonder if my parents will ever be a part But my job is a night I thrill to see
13: This is Karen Lyle with Salesport Talk, and I'm here today with Paul Kayard, who is in the class of 2020 for the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. And this is the first time, Paul, that sailing and a sailor has been included in this Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. Congratulations on that commendation that the city of San Francisco has given to you.
14: Well, I'm Truly honored as a Bay Area native. I I grew up following uh, a lot of the players and athletes that are in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. And so to be included is uh, a personal honor, but uh, it's the first time the sport of sailing has been included. And I think it's merited. And uh, so I'm really happy for my sport to, to also have representation in the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame.
13: This is a international broadcast that goes out to 168 countries and 82 million people. It's broadcast on the American Forces Network, Ditcher, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio. I think there's 700 radio stations around the world that carry this. We're talking about San Francisco because San Francisco is one of the first cities to include sailing as a sport, which is really surprising to me. I mean, why hasn't sailing been included? It's an amazing sport. What is it about sailing that you feel merit being put side by side with football, baseball, basketball, tennis, soccer, golf, et cetera?
14: Well, like like a lot of sports, uh, we certainly at the professional level, we train just as hard as uh, any other athletes. You know, sailing's been in the Olympics since 1928, so it's one of the oldest uh, sports in the Olympic Games. Uh, I've gone to the Olympics twice, and it's... uh, Really nice to to mix with all of the people who have the same dedication, commitment to excellence that the sailors have. You know, San Francisco Bay is one of the epic and iconic places for sailing. And so to have grown up on the bay was a huge advantage for me in terms of developing my skill set to go and race all over the world as well as all around the world.
13: You take your life more at risk in many ways because out on the ocean, you've done ocean sailing and also sailing inside the bay. Yes. Tell us about some of the ocean races that you've competed in.
14: Well, I've raced around the world twice, and I was the first American to win the Whitbread Round the World race in 1998. And that's, uh, it's like car racing a little bit. It's a risky occupation. Uh, we have had deaths, and we have had boats sink. There's icebergs, there's massive mountainous waves in the Southern Ocean, and Gales in terms of really strong winds. So, it, yeah, there's a risk in sailing um, that's probably different than baseball, basketball, and f- football. Has some risks of physical injury, obviously, but um, sailing, you can lose your life in an instant.
13: And the training is essential.
14: Of course, the training is essential. There's you know different types of training for a race around the world compared to an America's Cup race or an Olympic race, but we are just as committed and dedicated and focused as any other athlete. It's great that the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame has recognized this.
13: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk.
15: <laughs>
8: Rick Tittle back with you on Sports Byline USA and AFN and the Apropos Applications TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, And also a little Twitch going here, the first hour, Christopher Kane in studio, and of course the co-host of SalesportTalk.com on Tuesdays in the first hour, Karen Lyle, is with us. And um, I always try to throw a bone in for the people who are uh, new to this. So Christopher, let me just ask you, and not to be patronizing, but the America's Cup, um, is it a best of? Um, you know, like the World Series, first one to get to four wins? Or is it a race down to that buoy, go around it and come back and we'll time you? How do they find a champion?
2: Yes. And, and it, it's pretty easy to to explain because the America's Cup works almost exactly like no other sport in the world. Uh, so it, it, it's confusing. And, and let, let's back up and talk about how we, we start a new America's Cup. Um, this is a little bizarre you'll see uh, the American syndicate, the American team, being called a challenger. What does a challenger mean? Well, there are challengers, and then there's the team that won the last America's Cup, which is the defender. So the way the season, if you will, starts is imagine the NFL where they start a new season and the Kansas City Chiefs, since they won the last Super Bowl, they're already in the next Super Bowl, and it's up to everyone to fight it out to see who challenges them. So the first thing I understand is the New Zealand team is already in the America's Cup because they are the defender. They are defending the Cup. Everyone else has to battle it out to get in there. So that is one American team right now, possibly two. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, we have the British team we've been talking about, INEOS, and we have uh, the Italian syndicate, Prada. And they will start going at it at the beginning of next year. Uh, they'll start doing some test races at the end of this year. All the boats will be down in uh, New Zealand by September. And then at the end of the year, you'll see a little a little tournament, a little regatta to shake everything down. And then the actual cup starts in January. And those three challengers will battle it out for the right to challenge the Australian boat uh, in the actual America's Cup itself in March. And then it's like a normal World Series, you know, best out of four, best out of seven, best out of nine. Um, then it looks like a normal a normal playoff. But up to, to that point, it's a little strange because the the Defender is already in. Isn't that great? That's uh, great. Let me just – can I do a follow-up real quick? Sure. When yes, can you
8: say uh, a best of, what are we talking about? First one to get to a finish line or first one to go there and come back? How does it go?
2: Yeah. So the the course is, is for these boats because they're so fast. Uh, it's basically like a, a racetrack, a, a horse racetrack. It's just a big U. And they will up and down that, I believe, it's seven times. And they'll go, you know, they'll start, go to what's called a wing mark that'll get them into the racetrack. Then down, back, down, back, down for the finish. And so it's, it's, I believe it's seven, but don't hold me to that. Um, So, yeah, and then the first boat that crosses the finish line wins that particular race. And then you go at it again the next day. But there's only two boats in in the actual America's Cup. It gets burned down, which is why the the slogan for the America's Cup, and it's not really been the official slogan, but it pretty much is, which is there is no second. There is no second in the America's Cup. You're either first or you're last because there's only two (laughs) boats.
9: You know, um, I I wanted to bring to your attention, Christopher, that um, I did just add the link for those photographs so that people can see not only— um, Britannia uh, with Robin Knox on it, but also the, the video that's on there. And um, the photographs that were shared with us, um, Christopher, tell us who the, about the photographer that was uh, part of that.
2: Yeah, that's Cameron Gregory. Uh, you can find him on Facebook at Cameron Uh Sorry, Cam <laughs> at Facebook.com you can find him as uh, Cameron Gregory Photography, and, and he's got these fabulous shots uh, of Team Ineos um, up on their foils, and, and one of the things you can see is, is a couple of things. Uh, first off, you can see, again, as we were talking earlier, how flat these boats are. Um, and that, that's going to be a hard read for, for the helmsman, for the people driving it. But you also can see in, in, in America's Cup past with the big monohulls, because you wanted the boat kind of balanced, all the sailors were kind of down the middle of the boat. Right, because everything centered, you had the weight in the middle of the boat where it would do the most help, and you had the grinders, the people powering the hydraulics that moved the sails and the foils. They were down the center line of those big, uh, like the U.S. the USA-76. On these boats, if you go look at these pictures, and, and you can find these these again at sailsporttalk.com and go to the post for today's uh, broadcast, and you'll see the link to these photos, you'll see that instead of having the grinders down the middle of the boat There's actually grinders on either side and then like a hump, a fairing almost down the middle. And the reason for that is because the hull, what we would traditionally consider the hull of a sailboat, is really doing almost no sailing at all. The boat spends its entire time up on the foil. So that hull becomes less about how can I move this thing efficiently through the water and it becomes how efficiently can I move this thing through the air, because that's basically where it's spending its time. So this is the hull almost being treated like an airplane now instead of a boat. So the benefit to having the sailors split up and low, and then a fairing down the middle that's nice and smooth is you've basically turned that hull into a big wing, and you're just creating more drive and more force for that boat. Um, if you look at the front of these boats, there there is no bow right? We consider the front of a sailboat to kind of look at this. This is the deck, here's the front of the boat, and it looks like a, a cruise ship or a battleship. And these boats almost look like cigars. Everything is being done to try and make them as aerodynamically efficient, not for the water, but for the air. And this is the first time we, we've ever really seen this in an Americas or really any kind of boat. And it's interesting because the front of the boats on the four syndicates are very different. And I suspect we may see, you know, as the challenger races start, that that some people may be right and somebody may be really wrong. Um, and we're just going to have to see how that plays out. Remember, these are the first boats. The syndicates will be splashing, putting a new boat into the water uh, before September. So we'll see the second generation boats. Um, but there's this is a whole new area for the America's Cup. How do you make your boat efficient through the air instead of through the water?
8: Well, that's interesting, Christopher, because Is it a rule you have to go monohull? Because I remember as a kid doing channel crossing from like Folkestone to Ustend and you're on this single hull cattle boat that took all day. And then (laughs) from like Dover to Boulogne, you had this thing called a sea cat dual hull and it would get you over there in like 45 minutes. Anybody who's come from Larkspur can tell you the difference between the dual hole and the single hull. Yep. So is it a rule this time around that it's single hull?
2: Uh, weirdly, it's never really been specified in the America's Cup. And this actually uh, wound up creating a very famous lawsuit in the 80s uh, down in San Diego where the Kiwis uh, raced what wound up being the largest monohull ever raced in the America's Cup with these gigantic wings that— Dozens of sailors would sit on to, to keep it from tipping over. And Dennis Conner came in with a catamaran. And the Kiwis sued and said, you, you can't do that. You can't race a catamaran against a monohull. And actually, Dennis Conner won because it does not specify in the deed of gift, the, the contract that rules the America's Cup, whether it has to be a monohull or a catamaran or a multihull, which is why we saw them go to catamarans for a couple of years, including San Francisco. And now we're back to monohulls. It actually doesn't specify it, and if you go back and look at this lawsuit, it's a famous lawsuit in America's Cup, uh, and actually leads back to one of the earliest jokes about the America's Cup, who was notorious for playing with the deed of gift to get themselves advantages, and I believe it was Tom Sopwith, uh, or Sir Thomas Lipton, who said, Britannia rules the waves, but America waves the rules.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Well, is it a a gentleman's agreement that we're all going to race the same type of craft,
2: it, it, I wouldn't say it's a gentleman's agreement. Um, it, it, Like every America's Cup, uh, the the deed of get and the terms for that America's Cup, um, it's a tortuous process. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I wouldn't say gentleman's agreement. But, yes, they do all come to an agreement fairly quickly. And part of the reason I think they went to these monoholes is the price and the engineering – and the risk that was in those big catamarans they used in San Francisco, in, in retrospect, they probably pushed the envelope a little too far those boats. And they were hoping by going back to a monohull that they were able to lower the cost a little bit and get more syndicates, more teams into the America's Cup. Now, this is, again, a brand new class. So they didn't see the effect this time. But if they stay with this boat the next America's Cup, I expect we'll double the amount of challengers.
9: And I think we had the Stars and Stripes team that was um, that was a- allowed to to compete in the race, but we hadn't seen them create a boat. And I understand they petitioned for um, for using a boat that already exists for the race, and we're waiting waiting for the America's Cup to ruling on that.
2: Yeah, there, there's a couple stories around this. I mean, not stories. There's a couple angles on this. The the, the first angle is, of course, Stars and Stripes. Um, the second America's Cup syndicate has not been able to pay the first the full $3 million to get in. There's a $3 million payment you have to pay to get in. They paid a million. Um, and they've, they've started construction on their boat but have not finished it, which means they're losing a lot of data and a lot of knowledge because, as we mentioned before, lots of engineering, lots of data in these new boats, and, and they're missing all of that because they don't have a boat in the water. So they are petitioning. As I mentioned, each syndicate is building a second boat. And they are petitioning right now to basically buy the first New Zealand boat off them when they move to their second boat. Now, will it be competitive? Probably not. Uh, but at least they'll be able to start to get to know these boats in the water, start building data, and start having knowledge. Uh, the way the deed of gift is written, they can't actually race that boat in the final America's Cup. And there's a whole lot of sequencing to that. But this at least would get them on the water and starting to understand these boats. now. You know, for the America's Cup overall, obviously another syndicate is good. Um, But there is some rumbling that Prada and Ineos are not pleased with this because since they would be racing New Zealand's old boat against the Challengers at the end of the year, the Kiwis would be able to look at it and say, well, that's kind of a proxy for how our boat could perform. Because remember, the Challengers all fight it out amongst themselves. But one of the funny things about the America's Cup, until that first race— of the actual America's Cup, you actually don't know if the challenger is faster or slower than the defender because they haven't raced against each other. The challengers all know how well they do against each other, but there's no frame of reference. And we've had America's Cups where the challengers have fought it out tooth and nail Everyone goes, boy, that, that doesn't look like there's a very strong challenger. And then they actually get in against the defender and just knock them off the water because the defender had no way to compare their their speed. They only race against themselves until the actual America's Cup. So in a weird way, it actually benefits the challengers by letting them fight it out. So the complaint is by having New Zealand's old boat in the challenging series, the Kiwis can kind of get some proxy information that you normally wouldn't have. So that that's one of the complaints against it.
8: All right. Very well. We're out of time. Christopher uh, Kane, once again, thank you so much. Um, and uh, Karen, where should people go? Check out the pictures and such things.
9: Then we'll go to com and just click on the Let's Talk America's Cup August 4th. Open it up. There is a, a nice, I put the whole long link in there. Just click on it. You're going to get to the album and the video and all the things we talked about. And thanks to Team Ineos in, for, yeah. for sharing those photographs with us. I really appreciate that.
8: All right, you two. Thanks, as always. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come on back on Sports Byline USA.
5: That's 877-360-0402.
16: Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. plus broad spectrum, equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is a potter's field.
4: When people can't pay for their funerals, they are buried here. It is a lonely, desolate place, littered with unmarked headstones. No one visits. No one leaves flowers. But it doesn't have to be that way. For as low as $1 a day, you can ensure your family will have the money to pay your funeral expenses. We offer burial insurance plans that pay up to $30,000. Considering the average funeral costs more than $10,000, that's peace of mind for your family. There are no medical exams, your rates won't increase, and your policy cannot be canceled as long as you make your premium payments.
5: Call now to get approved in minutes and ensure your final resting place is more than just a pauper's grave in a potter's field. 800-516-2499, 800-516-2499, 800-516-2499. 800-516-2499, 800-516-2499, 516 Again, that's 800-516-2499, paid for by Final Expense Direct. Wait!
6: She must have meant 10 o'clock at night, do you think?
5: Why would she have you meet
6: her
12: in a bar at 10 in the morning?
10: I just figured she was a raging alcoholic.
11: I
17: wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
8: He would clown you, girl. Girl. What's up with that? Ooh-wee. What's up with that? What's up with that? All right. We just got a little uh, America's Cup. As I said, America's Cup isn't until next year. So you think about the uh, Super Bowl pregame show, which is, uh, when does that begin? About 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning? We got you covered. I will say, though, when the uh, Warriors won the NBA championship in uh, 2015, cause it was a 40 year gap. Uh, they won when I was 10, and then they uh, also won when I was uh, 50. Well, forget about that. I have less than a minute for Chris in Oakland. Go, Chris in Oakland.
18: Hey, Greg. Thanks always for uh, having me on, man. Uh, really, I always love, man. I always learn something when I listen to your show, man. That that uh, sailing stuff. I that, that was pretty good knowledge, man. Uh, I wanted to speaking of good knowledge. I wanted to really thank you for your uh, words about Ralph Barbieri. I never got to personally meet him, but I really enjoyed it. And he was a uh, you know he was a pioneer here in the uh, Bay Area for sports talk, along with Gary Radnich and uh, you know yourself. But um, it's uh-huh. it's sad that how it kind of ended. The relationship ended with KNBR, but I want to listen. You know. Uh, probably tune in this afternoon to kind of hear Tom Tolbert's take on it I remember Ralph was very passionate about about San Francisco just like you're passionate about East Bay sports and I wish we had more people on this side of the bay really passionate but you know he helped get that Giants stadium built and he helped uh you know keep the Giants in San Francisco so I, I give him a lot of credit for that but anyway thanks for honoring him and as uh, always great show
8: thanks for your call Chris boy right on time he got right in and right out appreciate the call Chris yeah I'm Rick Tittle we'll take a quick break another two hours come on by that, Rick Tittle, with you. Welcome back to the show. We've got another two hours to go. Carlos Silva from World Team Tennis is going to join us. He's the new CEO on the other side. Bruce Marshall in about a half hour. Talk a little hockey on the gold sheet as he does. Just in the news break, I got an email from one of my relatives in Germany from my name iPhone. Gesendet sent from my iPhone. Uh, pictures and uh, one of them is of uh, uh, how do I say um, cheese plates with uh, salami and uh, beers, and it just makes me miss Germany, it makes me miss Europe. And the fact of the matter is, we're not allowed in. That's right we used to think we were the smartest country in the world, Did we ever think that? Now we're the dumbest. <laughs> People don't want us. All any country has ever wanted for the last 100 years is American dollars and American tourists. That's all they've ever wanted. Maybe they don't want our democracy, or our military coups, or our secret plentas. What are you saying, Rick? But uh, they want our cash. This is the first time ever they're like, keep the cash. You guys are all diseased freaks. So we're now known as the country of diseased freaks. They're actually chiseling that change into the Statue of Liberty. Forget your wretched refuse. Diseased freaks. No beer, no sausage for you. Rick, you can get all the beer and sausage you want right here in the United States. I know. just makes me mad that I have a passport and I can't go. Did I have plans? Not at all. Just knowing I can't. It kind of sucks. S-U-X. Boston Red sucks. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break. one 800 Play a big shout out to our troops who are overseas and can't even come back home right now. You're stuck over there. Everybody's screwed. Sounds good. Good times. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
6: Hey, Mike, how's the house coming along? Uh, Needs a ton of work. The pipes are leaking. Needs a new roof. The A.C. just broke. I just don't have time to do it all myself. You know anyone? Oh, just ask HomeAdvisor. They match you with the best local pros for any home project. Cool.
3: Yeah, you can read reviews and book appointments online. What's it cost?
6: Actually, HomeAdvisor is always free to use. Nice. I'll check it out.
15: Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app. HomeAdvisor.
8: Check out Rick Tittle. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. You know, World Team Tennis about a year and a half ago named their new CEO, a sports media executive named Carlos uh, Silva to run the operation. And uh, he joins us now. And you think about just how much um, everything has suffered during this pandemic. Well, not world team tennis because on Sunday, and I actually saw the end of this. They had a very exciting championship, and it had the highest amount of viewers ever. It was on CBS, over a half a million. So, Carlos, a year and a half in, and you're doing better than ever. What the heck did you do?
18: Uh, how you doing, Rick? Uh, yeah, look, uh, yeah, great finals. Um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of luck and a little bit of hard work. And you, you know, you, you mix it all up together, uh, and you throw in a pandemic and, you know, you keep your head down and, uh, and you have a little bit of success. And, uh, it was a great, it was a great three week season at the Greenbrier. And I mean a super Epic final on CBS. And, you know, just like you just said, uh, record numbers for world team tennis on, on CBS. So, uh, so uh, it's it's great to sort of uh, smile and, and look back on that now, but it was uh, it was a lot of hard work over the last uh, over the last three four months to make it happen.
8: New York Empire over Chicago Smash, and they New York started to celebrate, and Chicago's like, wait wait wait, let's look at the replay. Did it catch the line? The ball did catch the line, and then dog piles and celebrations ensued. And that's the whole thing about team tennis is that instead of everybody being Shushed up like at wimbledon center center court, you are allowed to cheer and to dogpile right
18: oh yeah, absolutely we've got yeah you know, we got music in between every point uh it feels you know f- feels much more like an n b a game than it does uh you know a Wimbledon final, and I think that's what the players really enjoy and uh they enjoy that that sort of attitude and and energy that uh that comes with being on a team and uh and you definitely saw that at the end of the match when that ball was you know, in, you know, three-quarters of the ball was out and one-quarter of the ball hit the line. And as a result of that, the Empire took the, uh, took the victory. It was like a walk-off home run in the, in the World Series.
8: As they call it the King Cup, when I was a kid playing tennis out here in the Bay Area, I remember Billie Jean King started this team called the Golden Gators, and they used to play over at the Oakland Coliseum. And that kind of died out. And then when I was in high school... We had this California-only league, and we had the Oakland Breakers. And I remember going to see uh, Martina Navratilova take on Oakland, and I do remember we won. But I remember thinking at the time, "Geez, our best player is Fritz Buning, but he had a great, <laughs> he had a great couple of matches that night. It was exciting, but it only lasted a couple of years. And I think that's the thing. Every time this gets started, it just doesn't have the momentum to the, the staying power. So why is it this time around you guys have that staying power? And, B, do you remember Fritz Buehning?
18: uh The uh, answer to that is yes, I do. And, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of great players in World Team Tennis over the years. But I think, uh, you know, maybe what was needed was really to get, you know, the building of that audience, Rick. You know, so that, so that people, uh, not just the people in the stands would see it, but, you know, as you know, having having over half a million people watch on CBS is is more than any, any time you're going to put anyone in a stadium. And so I think our broadcast uh, relationships with CBS and ESPN and the tennis channel this year will continue to help us to grow the league. And, and that's really why we're, uh, you know, we're going to be here to stay. Uh, You know, I didn't take the job to, you know, to do this and, and, and not have it be successful. So, uh, so I think we're going to keep expanding and, and keep making it get bigger. And then, by the way, you won't have to ask me, um, you know, who this person is or that person, because you know, when you've got, um, you know, when you got Sloane Stevens and Coco Vandeweghe and and you know Jack Sock and Taylor Fritz and all these great players on the court, uh, those are the best players in the world. I think that's another thing that has changed with world team tennis in the last couple of years.
8: Well, to me, that's the key because as much as you can try and get these regional. Um, rivalries to sort of spring out of of thin air it it is the stars and we wouldn't watch major league baseball if it didn't have great players so how much of it is a challenge to you for people to buy in when like i can even remember when i was in college they tried again it was called the oakland aces it lasted a couple years how do you get people to buy in and say look this is different and you can just show them the tape of that final match on sunday i guess right
18: no, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, look, uh, the league's been around for 45 years. That's the good news. Um, and so it has survived. But, you know, in today's world, you gotta you got to be big. Uh, you got to have the best players in the world. And um, and that's what happened this year. And, you know, if you list all the players, you know, we launched a new team in Chicago and Sloan Stevens anchors it. Uh, you know, you got the Bryant brothers and Sam Query and Monica Plague playing in Vegas. I mean, you know, the list – just goes on and on with all of the top players. And uh, I think they had a great time and I know they're going to come back as a result of that. And and that's how you continue to grow. Uh, Look, there's, there's so many great players that can play tennis from the top player in the world till, you know, the the thousandth player in the world, they can all hit the ball. But as you said, Rick, you, you need, you need some of those stars. We, we had them this year, you know, Venus played for the Washington castle. She's great. Always. And, Uh, And I think we'll continue to do that because the quality of the product, I think, has gone up, um, you know, so high. And even in the pandemic, I think the the product was better than ever.
8: Now, with the U.S. Open, um, we heard that Nick Kyrgios, the uh, irascible uh, enfant terrible of Australia, he's going to go out, uh, or he's going to opt out, I should say. And yet with your organization – 822 COVID-19 tests, you did it before they got there, you did it while they were there, mid-season, all negative. Now, every league in the world, whether in a bubble or not, are going to try and figure out how you guys pulled this off. So you're to be congratulated on that. How did you make it happen?
18: You know, I think, I think the real key was, that was the first test, really, um, you know, no one was able to come unless they were negative. And that, was, that wasn't just a player and a coach. That was me as well. I wasn't allowed to come unless I was negative. And I think, I think that was a real key. And then re- we really just stuck to our protocols. And I think we went to a place that once you went to a place with a negative test, it was a place that you were more likely not going to encounter anyone else that um, would give you a positive um, you know, Greenbrier in West Virginia is really low on the COVID incident rate. And so we were flying people after they were already negative to another place that was already very low on the incident rate. We tested them again before they could even enter the competition. And so and then you were mostly hanging out. I mean, I wouldn't say perfectly, but close to perfectly hanging out with other people that had all been tested negative. So. A bunch of negatives are going to yield a bunch of more negatives, and um, and we just tried to you know work really hard to ingrain that into the players and and certainly the staff to be safe and and to you know really only hang out with the other people that you knew were part of the the negative pool, and uh, you know the
19: results sort of speak for themselves.
8: And then finally, two of the other things that you've done so well is you get blue chip sponsorship. So now you have the financial wherewithal. And then, as I mentioned, CBS, it's one thing for a tennis nut to be watching this on channel 805, but the fact that you're getting on national TV and you've got these sponsors is a a great harbinger for the future, isn't it? It it really is. And, and, you know,
18: being a tennis fan yourself, Rick, you know that it, you know, it can appeal to a wider audience than just the tennis fan. Uh, it's fun. It's exciting. It's fast paced. You know, every point really does count. And, and, you know, look, CBS and being on broadcast, I think it's key. Um, you know, it it lets you create a wide swath across the fan base. You know, we were, uh, the 12 to three slot before the PGA tour started it from three to six. So, you know, you have a great afternoon on CBS with tennis and golf, and that's how you you know that helps to grow the fan base, and then ultimately it brings in those sponsors like you mentioned, and you know from Geico to Guaranteed Rate, um, DraftKings, and you know Macwell. I mean, they just kept coming out and wanted to be part of it, and and we even added you know sponsors like Guaranteed Rate and Dolby and and Mack Weldon and clothing, you know, mid season because they had already seen what we had done, and then they were part of the playoff run, and so uh, you know from here we just keep growing it.
8: Okay, so uh, finally, are you going to take a breath, a little off-season? When does this all get going again?
18: Yeah, we'll certainly take a – you know, this week's a busy week because there's a lot of, you know, gathering up everything we've done with the season, talking to folks, you know, in in your fan base and and others. Uh, And then I think, yeah, I'll probably take a little break, um, you know, maybe next week for a few days. But – you know, all-star, all-stars in March, and, you know, the season's only 11 months away. So there's, there's still a lot to do to, you know, to come back and, and then continue to build this thing. And, and then certainly working with our, our distribution partners on, on what we do with them uh, to keep making it big. So, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple days off, but uh, what we do is a lot of fun. So uh, it's not really work when you're having a good time.
8: There he is, Carlos Silva, very successful in his first year and a half as the CEO of World Team Tennis, drawing over half a million fans at a very exciting uh, nail-biter in the championship game New York over Chicago on Sunday. Carlos, congratulations, man, and uh, let's catch up down the road.
18: Yeah, thanks a lot, Rick. Nice talking to you. look forward to doing it again.
8: All right. Good stuff. I'm Rick Tuttle. We got open lines on the other side. 1-800-878-PLAY. Feel free to come on back on Byline.
17: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
8: Oh, if there's a sport, I've interviewed someone from it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. All right, lines are open. 1-800-878-PLAY. We're going to talk a little hockey on the other side. The hockey's going again. Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet in Las Vegas will join us if you're listening on KSHP down there in Vegas. It's great to have you with us. I always like telling the story about how when I went to Vegas many years ago, byline was doing a rerun of my show. And um, I got in a cab from the airport. And the guy was listening to my show. The rerun on KSHP. And I go, hey, it's me. He's like, what? I go, and then I realized, why did I say that? I go, uh, the that's my show. They're doing a rerun of it right now. And he went, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay. never mind. All 800 1-800-878-PLAY. The number of positive COVID-19 tests in uh, the Cardinals pandemic outbreak grew to 13 yesterday. Seven <clears throat> positive tests were from players, six from staff. That means the four-game series that was scheduled to begin today against Detroit, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Those are all postponed. Remember, the Cardinals did not play their weekend series against Milwaukee because they had positive tests they learned about on Thursday night. They now have seven games in a row postponed. MLB still has the Cardinals on the schedule Friday for their rivals in the Midwest there, the Cubs. Remember, if you're in the Midwest, in the old days you either were a Cardinals or a Cubs fan. If you were a Cardinals fan, you were a lot more happy Tell you that. But uh, here's the statement The club, which has been quarantined since Thursday, will stay in Milwaukee and their personnel will continue to be tested daily. The tentative plan is for the team to resume its regular schedule on Friday against the Chicago Cubs in St. Louis. Have you looked at the standings in MLB? You'd say, uh, yeah, New York, Minnesota. Ricky Rays are in first place for a second. But you'll see Miami is in first place, but they're a game back. What? (laughs) (laughs) Miami is in first place, but they're a game back. And that's because they've only played three damn games. I love that. The Atlanta is seven and four, and Miami is two and one. But Miami's winning percentage is six sixty seven, and Atlanta's is six thirty six. So Miami's in first place, but they're a game back. How does that work? Uh, only in twenty twenty could you have such a situation. Is that? I mean, I, I truly think that is fantastic. Not just fantastic, but fantastic. Um, So you're going to look at the Cardinals now. And how many games have they played? Well, they've played five. That's two more than Miami. Wow, that's almost quite a season right there. So as... We look to see them play again, and if you're a Cardinals fan, this sucks, obviously. You don't get to see your team play for over a week. But uh, they did announce six of the players who tested positive. Yadier Molina, have you heard of him? Paul DeYoung, Edmundo Sosa, Rangel Ravello, former A's farmhand, Junior Fernandez, and Cody Whitley. And Yachty said, quote, I am saddened to have tested positive for COVID-19, even after adhering to safety guidelines that were put in place. I will do everything within my power to return as soon as possible for Cardinals fans, the city of St. Louis, and my teammates. As I recover, I request that you please respect my privacy and family in my absence from the team. So, <clears throat> Listen. The Cardinals now, the second MLB team that had a big outbreak and a couple fills, but you got the Marlins and the cards. So as the CDC has said, they estimate that the incubation period is from 2 to 14 days, the median time being about five days. So the new infections are recorded on a lag, but Major League Baseball, the season was supposed to be endangered. End of the weekend. Remember, Rob Manfred said to Tony Clark, "We're going to scrap it. You guys better get it together." I almost feel like it would be the other way around. I literally thought that Tony Clark would say to Manfred, "We're going to scrap this unless you get it together." But in the end, it is on the team, on the players. More about that in a second, <clears throat> because. The other concern is that the Cardinals spread the disease to the Twins and then the Twins who hosted the Indians that they gave it to them. So, remember, the Phillies have not had a um, player test positive, but they have had people in the organization test positive. Now, last night in Baltimore, the Marlins, uh, or sorry, tonight in Baltimore, the Marlins will return to play after nine days. Talk about a bye week. Um, Three... Players tested positive last Sunday, 21 members of the traveling party, now 18 players. The roster has been completely overhauled. And now Derek Jeter spoke out last night. And he shot down rumors that it started when they went out on the town in Atlanta. Jeter said, our guys were not running all around town in Atlanta we did have a couple of individuals leave the hotel. We had guys leave to get coffee, to get clothes. A guy left to have dinner in a teammate's house. There were no other guests on site. There was no salacious activity. There was no hanging out in bars, no clubs, no running around Atlanta. The entire traveling party got a little too comfortable. Guys were around each other, they got relaxed and they let their guard down. They were getting together in groups. They weren't wearing masks as much as they should have. They weren't social distancing. So the Marlins, of course, had to isolate at their hotel in Philadelphia with a few days. And actually, the players who were sick, they went back to Miami on a bus. <laughs> They didn't even want to risk a plane. They went back on a bus. It must have been the, uh, the GermMobile. But not laughing. I hope these guys are all fine. But that is a long bus ride. Very, very long. And then, of course, you know, over the weekend, we had people opt out. We had a guy opt out who just decided, ah, I'm opting out. You want to tell anybody? Bah, they'll figure it out. When they send the SWAT team over here to... To look for me they'll figure out that i'm i'm not here you know but as i said it affects other teams The yankees and the orioles wound up playing each other because their series with the phillies and the marlins were postponed look the league still says they're gonna make up all these games they're gonna make them up maybelline so uh, we'll, we'll see what ha- we'll see what had had happened with that but um, you know is it hanging by a thread i guess i mean every day it is it seems like with the league but uh you know first and the people who say if it was the yankees or the dodgers this would have shut down i don't believe that at all they're not going to start it up and then shut it down has nothing to do with which team got sick i'm rick tittle we'll talk a little hockey come on back
1: batteries exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts are designed to meet the electrical demands of today's vehicles. Get dependable power and performance from a super Start battery for your car, truck, motorcycle, lawnmower, boat, and more. Our professional parts people can help you find just what you need. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts
6: today.
11: Oh, 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 O'Reilly
6: Auto Parts.
5: Paid for by Airtime Media. As Gotch brings it in, Sharks get it out. Here's a breakaway. Patrick Marleau! Scores!
17: cares about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
8: Oh, thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know, on Tuesdays, we like to catch up with our friend Bruce Marshall from The Gold Sheet and goldsheet.com as we talk a little bit about hockey. And for about the last four months, we've been mostly talking about Hockey in a virtual sense, because we didn't have any. Bruce, how is it? Uh, how nice is it to actually see these guys skate around? I almost forgot what it looked like.
19: More fun the last few days. I forgot about how much I enjoyed watching this stuff, and not just. I mean, baseball's back too, and all I NBA. Mean, yeah, all of a sudden we got everything to watch here in August. Usually in August we are in the the end of the. I mean, the dog days of MLB, and you get some NFL preseason, and that's it. Instead, we've got actually what things look like in April, starting of playoffs, MLB season starting. And when you wake up in the morning and can watch the Islanders and the Panthers, at least for me, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? And we saw
8: in game one Saturday between the Jets and the Flames that the Jets not only lost the first game, but it looks like they've lost one of their best players. Do you think Matthew Kachuk was... Um, as, uh, Paul Maurice said, uh, a filthy, dirty, intentional, disgusting play there.
19: Well, I've looked at that not as many times as Paul Maurice, but I, you know, I, I don't know that he is totally incorrect. I mean, I know he, he got a little, he sent some real missiles with uh, the Kachuk in the flames. When I look at that, the first time I saw it, I thought it was innocent enough. He just banged, you know, it didn't even tell much of a bang into the, into the boards. And then Shifley crumpled. You watch it again though, and Kachuk did lift his skate up, and the blade hit Shifley's leg. And we're still not exactly sure what the injury to Shifley is, other than he's walking in a boot. Um, So I think that's what. And we haven't seen this blue line camera yet that that Maurice talks about, but we Kachuk did his skate came up, and that's what he was mad about. It wasn't the hit as much; it was the skate coming up into the leg. So I agree with Maurice that I don't think Kachuk went into the Shifley thinking, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick my, my blade in the back of his leg. But that's kind of what happened. So I, I don't know. Is it intentional or not? I, you know, I I just think it was sort of a reaction. It was a bang-bang play. It was unfortunate. Um, Shifley, they're, they're they're not talking on him maybe missing much more time. I don't know if it was all that serious. Line a also got hurt in that game. I think the bigger thing for the Flames here, Ricky, is that – the undisciplined, they they had—they could have stepped on Winnipeg's throat yesterday and they took too many bad penalties and ended up costing them late. Winnipeg finally got the power play going and Hallibuck showed up better than he did certainly in the second period in game one. Uh, Winnipeg's very much back in the series now and they answered that yesterday and they might get these guys back. They haven't ruled them out yet. Um, so I, I, I think Calgary missed a chance on Monday to really take control obviously. I mean, they go up 2 nothing; They're in good shape. Now they got to they got a real uh, battle on their hands
8: here. You? you know, the day after we spoke last Tuesday, they had that exhibition, um, some exhibition games on Wednesday, and the Lightning played the Panthers, and Brian Boyle and Mikhail Sergachev got into the first bubble fight, more or less. And I was thinking, you know, with baseball, They, you know, I just think about the A's opening night, Matt Olson hits an extra inning, walk off grand slam, everybody runs to the plate. No one has a mask on, but and you're not supposed to get into team fights. But I was thinking about it at first. I thought, oh, you're not supposed to fight. But then again, if you're in the bubble, you might as well trade blows because the whole concept is we're in the bubble. We're not infected. Right.
19: Right, Rick. And, uh, you know, the latest numbers from yesterday that came out there's no infections in either Bubble, Edmonton, or Toronto. Um, and we've, we've seen some uh, some video on how they're handling this. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, as a prison, but I mean, they're going in there. They've sequestered these guys in the hotels. They've given them out their own little areas. There's no mingling really with anybody who isn't totally cleared and isn't uh, doesn't get a, a COVID free test. So, I totally applaud the NHL for what it's done here. Completely applaud, and, and especially this decision to go to Edmonton for the Western half, because another people in Vegas clamoring for it to come here. I thought that was a bad idea in the first place. There's very little COVID problem up in Edmonton, and they've got these guys sequestered, and nobody's catching it. And you're right. If, if, if you're in a clean environment there, you might as well play the games like normal. And um, I know, I mean, they're, they're sticking tight to the protocols in the NHL, and I love it. MLB really hasn't been. You watch these games. I've watched a lot of them. They're doing the high fives and they're doing the stuff um, that they're not supposed to be doing. You've seen, I think, Manfred warned everybody last week, you know, toe the line here, boys. And you've seen better uh, discipline, uh, at least with the masks and the celebrations and stuff, since. But uh, the NHL's done it right, Rick.
8: A couple more questions for Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet in Vegas. Talk a little hockey. Every player has this uh, in the NHL has this app that asks him questions about how he's feeling, and I thought it was pretty funny. Well, maybe if I was a Bruins fan, I wouldn't find it funny, but took a rask, their uh, very accomplished goalkeeper, woke up Saturday coughing. And so he said he clicked on the app that he had a cough, and he said all kind of red lights started blinking. He was quarantined automatically for two days. They tested him he's negative, but he's still coughing. So what it is, it's the age old cough. But nowadays you have the bubonic plague if you cough, but I can, once again, I can commend the NHL that if you probably come in even looking like you have a fever, you're out for two days.
19: Yeah. Those are those protocols. You're right. It could be just good old allergies, hay fevers, whatever. (laughs) This stuff's been around long before COVID. Um, and, uh, that's uh, yes, maybe what it was, but yeah, you're right, Rick. I mean, this is the NHL is not messing around at all with this. They don't, they don't want to take any chances. And I, I think this is, I, I, you know, I'm, you know, me, I'm not, I'm not Gary Bettman's biggest fan. I don't think you are either. But I think they have structured this thing absolutely right. The whole thing is good. The way the arenas look, and by the way, those gray coverings on the uh, seats low, they say people there so it, it helps pick up the puck a little bit better on the ice as opposed to the, the the regular seats being in the background and it's on it's that lower part of the bowl that's got the gray but it looks good it's like a studio they've created in toronto and edmonton to play hockey and they, they're trying to make it sound much like the arenas as possible i think they're doing a bang up job rick
8: you know when i look at all the teams that are there and it's hard for me to imagine in the last 15 years the amount of success that my sharks have that they're not one of 24 teams, but anyway, they don't deserve to be there. But I saw an article talking about how the Canadians don't deserve to be there. But the fact of the matter is they were going to find the top 24 teams. And I would think it would be amazing if a team like Chicago or Montreal or Arizona just rose up and won this thing. Now that's pie in the sky. When you look at the Bruins and the blues and the lightning caps, teams like that. But what, when you look at a team like the Habs, do you think, you know, the Habs and the hab nots that they, that it's dumb that they took 24 teams. It's just too many.
19: Not really. I a personal preference. No, I, I mean, it's a different year and they're trying to keep teams that were still alive at the end. They, the, I like what they did a lot more than the NBA did because now you've got some teams playing down in Orlando that are already out, like Washington. They've still got six, seven more games to play. This, everything means something. And it's, it's created compelling of uh, viewing. So this is a one-time shot. Uh, but I, I, I think it's actually kind of interesting. And, and uh, listen, Montreal and Edmonton and Chicago showing up So did uh, Arizona beating, uh, Nashville the other day. So you've seen some 12s and 11s win, um, And I think it's actually, I'm okay with it, especially since these teams are playing their hearts out and provided some good, exciting uh, watching here. And and by the way, yes, not just the Sharkies, uh, Rick, but uh, all of California, no Ducks, no Kings, no Sharks. This was not a vintage NHL season for the Golden State, was it?
8: It just shows, unfortunately, that my home state, the good Lord, does not want us to play hockey out here, Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, all right, one more hockey question for you. And I saw that the whole thing about being the higher seed, what would be the advantage? And what it does is it allows you to have the last change. I mean, that's basically all you're going to get out of it outside of the fact you're going to play a team with a worse record. And before it started, we heard all all sort of weird suggestions that the home team should get this break or that break, which I thought was harebrained, but they get the last change. Is that enough, you think?
19: I think so. and I don't know what more you could do uh, here. I mean uh, but by, by the way, if you notice they're also putting the home to the dashboards up there for the home team too. They're doing some quick quick work in the arena crew in Toronto and Edmonton, changing the dashboards between the games too. so you got the ads for the uh, home team on the boards. Uh, but I know, I think it's oh, it's okay, Rick. You get know, or I mean man, we talked about this before. I mean I mean the NHL, the Stanley Cup playoffs, you get upsets all the time in home ice and that's what's the beauty of it. I mean, you get stuff like Columbus going in there and taking the first two at Tampa Bay and winning in four last year in the first round. This stuff happens in the NHL. So I, I think it's all sort of jammed in here to this shorter period of time. I am loving this. And uh, I, I know a lot of hockey people are too. I and mean, it's not optimal. We wish we would have had a regular, a normal season. But short of that, right now, they're making, they're doing the best they can with what they got. And uh, I think it is good fun. I hate, I don't, not ashamed to admit it. I'm enjoying this stuff.
8: No, it's good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's usually if you tell me the Sharks aren't involved, I wouldn't be as interested. But as you said, we're all kind of starved for this. All right, finally. Las Vegas, Nevada, the gold sheet. We got baseball games. What else is going on?
19: Baseball, i got NBA and hockey. I went over there to put a bet on Columbus to win the whole thing this morning. Rick, I don't go on the sports books too much, but they uh, they shut down the Stanley Cup betting every day after the game starts. I'm gonna have to late to late tonight, and then the odds might change. But there you go. There's my pick for the long shot to win this thing, Columbus. We'll see what happens this afternoon. But uh, good stuff. For, uh, yeah, I mean, there's games to bet in Las Vegas. There's some they're not too crowded in there, but. Uh, it's happening at goldsheet.com. we got all these picks up there every day, basketball, baseball, and NHL picks too. Goldsheet.com, my picks also at Vegas Insider and DonBest.com.
8: Goldsheet.com, Bruce Marshall and Sin City. Thanks a lot, my friend. Let's do it again next week. Hey, Ricky. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. It's open lines the rest of the way all the way until noontime, pack time. Come on back.
5: That's 877-360-0402. I'm sorry. It's the the pleats. It's it's actually an optical
1: illusion. It's the pattern on the pants. It's not flattering in the the crotchal region. I'm actually taking them back right now. Taking them back to the, the pants
12: store.
17: Tittle is a majestic stallion.
8: All right. Um, I, in my baseball predictions, once again, I discounted the angels of Los Angeles, of Orange County, whatever they are, of Disneyland, because I just looked at the rotation and I was like, bah. I mean, you look in the field, there's Mike Trout, the best player. They went out and gave all the money in the world, Anthony Rendon, pool Holst. Just hit his 15th career Grand Slam. I mean, they can score some runs, but Trevor Cahill was their opening day starter a couple years ago. So they're going to rely on guys like Andrew Heaney and Dylan Bundy, of the Orioles. Remember him? But Shohei Otani, you know, he was going to be the first guy since Babe Ruth to be an amazing pitcher and a uh, home run slugger as well. And he was going to go into the rotation and i know that the a's tried hard to get him of course the a's don't have two pennies to rub together but everybody drooled over him rightly so what they saw well today he has gone to the doctor and his uh diagnosis has come back as grade 1-2 flexor pronator mass strain that's right Not a holy mass, but a grade one to two flexor pronator mass strain. What does that mean? That means he can't throw for at least a month, four to six weeks, and they say he'll be day to day as a DH. Now, remember last year he had Tommy John and he still hit 286. So he can still hit, although this season he's batting 148, but you talk about the wear and tear on a young Japanese arm where well, they don't do pitch counts when they're younger and things like that. I don't know if that's what it is. Do you scrap the whole idea of him being a two-way player? If you do, do you just make him a hitter? It's it's too much to give up on right now. He's only 26 years old. He's not 36. So, But the Angels are 3-7. and seven. That's basically where I thought they were going to be. And um, 10 games in, they hear Otani's out basically for the season. If he comes back, the season's too short. If he comes back at all, it'll be in the bullpen. So rotation, they can forget it. Armbrick Tittle, we got another hour. Come on back on Sports Byline. Hour three, it's our hour. What you got? We are here for you. 1 800 878 play. 1 800 878 7529. Somebody asked me about a picture I put up like seven or eight years ago when Robin Ventura was manager of the, the White Sox. And they were in town for three games, and I was doing pre and post that whole... I think Townie was on vacation. I did like three weeks of games in a row. There was no off day. I think I did like, well, maybe one off day. I think I like 20 games in 21 days. But Ventura, we're about the same age, and I remember um, I was kind of cracking him up. So the next day I went down, I was talking to him, and then there was a picture that great Luis Alberto Torres... Deportivo Panorama, Colombia. Goal, 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 goal. Uh, he took of us in the dugout. Where it looks like Robin Ventura and I are in some sort of like um, who will blink first staring contest thing. And, and we're both winning like cats. But actually, all it was was me just. Uh, well, me just being a uh, guy asking him some questions, but it's a funny photo. Fo- anyway, um, I put it up on Twitter as my what do you call it? Your background picture. It's just not a background picture. It would be more of a uh, well, whatever it is, wallpaper. So I had another one where I was talking uh, to Brett Wallace of the Astros. So anyway, for those of you who are into Twitter. Can see the stare-down picture of me and Robin Ventura in 2013. All right, uh, 1-800-878-PLAY. The whole hour is open for your calls. 1-800-878-7529. You can get in and get her cover photo. That's what Dominic says it was. Dominic's in his 20s, so he would know. Cover photo, because I'm a cover girl. Do they still have cover girl? Oh, no. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. We'll figure it out.
18: Now that we're getting back on the road, the stops we make seem more special
20: than before. Stop to see a friend. Stop at your favorite store. Stop at the places you missed most. And to keep you going between those stops, there's Shell. Stop in to fill up
18: with our best fuel ever. Save with the Fuel Rewards program. And to get snacks and essentials that can save you even more at the pump. That's just a few of the ways Shell helps you make the most of the stop
2: you need to make. See full terms and conditions at fuelrewards.com.
6: Tired of the same old hat? Coveragegear.com is the top destination to find the hats and gear you need to represent your favorite pro teams and players. Head to coveragegear.com with the promo code radio and grab a cap with the iconic jersey number of the all-time greats and current stars from the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more. These classic hats come in the font and style of the Superstars team. So with a number 30 from Golden State, number 2 from the Yankees, number 23 from the Bulls, or a number 12 from the Packers, CoverageGear.com will help you honor the legends of yesterday and today. Check out our collection of dad hats, trucker caps, beanies, stickers, and more. Use promo code RADIO and get 20% off. That's promo code RADIO at CoverageGear.com. CoverageGear.com,
4: we've got you covered.
5: Four eight five six zero zero three eight hundred four eight five six zero zero three. That's 800
10: Between jobs, retiring, or just need health or life insurance, please visit myhealth-quotes.com or call 833-687-5261. Before you try to get a quote online, call us. We will provide you with the information most sites will not. We teach you exactly what life or health insurance plan you qualify for, how to use your plan, and maximize your benefits. We provide you with the information to make a knowledge-based decision to ensure selecting the right plan. Myhealth-quotes.com. to.
8: Thank you so much, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. The NFL, by the way, as we look for people who, uh, uh, who may or may not uh, opt out and what that means to them financially, well, the players have until uh, Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern to opt out of this season. According to Adam Schefter, who's with ESPN, Adam Schefter with two phone lines. That's a bad one. Um, but the union and the league agreed to a plan that players could opt out if they're uncomfortable with the protocols that are put into place, and that high risk individuals could opt out and get 350K, um, whereas those less at risk receive a hundred and fifty thousand players have the ability to opt out later in the season in the event a family member comes sick <clears throat> so we knew that but i bring it up today because there are now two ways that a player can still opt out after four o'clock eastern noon our time on thursday this is according now to tom Pelissero of nfl network and he says If there is a new diagnosis that reveals that they have a high-risk condition, meaning I didn't know I had asthma or what have you, it's like, well, you should have known. No, they're not going to do that. They say, okay, you can opt out. And then if a family member dies or goes to the hospital because of COVID-19, yikes. So... As of this morning, 45 players have officially opted out. And you probably know them depending on what your team is. Obviously, the most high-profile players were Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung of the New England Patriots. Um, Marquise Lee, by the way, the former Trojan receiver, opted out as well. On Sunday, Matt Lacoste, the tight end, Uh, joined the crowd in New England. But 75 players have been placed on the NFL's recently formed reserve COVID-19 list. What's that? Well, that's a list that includes players who have either tested positive or have been quarantined, having been in close contact with a person or persons. So if a player falls into that category, the team is required to immediately place the player on the list. Teams are not permitted... The union policy to comment on a player's medical status other than to just refer to a roster cut. Furthermore, teams may not disclose whether a player is in quarantine or positive for COVID 19. <clears throat> now, does that help? In the grand scheme of things, you might say that doesn't really help. But in a way, what does it hurt? This guy's not playing. Why not? He's unavailable. Is it his kneecaps, or does he have a virus? Uh, He's just out. Well, if they sent him loose into the Vienna Boys Choir, that would be irresponsible, but they would obviously be quarantined, right? They want the guy back. He would not be taking up a roster spot if they didn't care about him. And I don't mean as a person. I mean as a player. So remember, Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Eagles, has already tested positive. He's got to wait five days before he can come back. By the way, you know who's running the Eagles right now? Kind of a cool story if you're an Eagle fan. <clears throat> Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley is now assistant head coach. Um, also, Nate's uh, Nate Solder backed out. Damian Williams. There have been some others that have backed out. Kind of uh, big names. Uh, there's There's no doubt. But there's also, um, if you look at the, the season and what the team should or should not do and should they alter the schedule, because right now you've got a full schedule that they want to do. But unfortunately for the NFL, things will not be easy in the event of rescheduling. It's not like baseball where you go, oh, the Marlins missed eight games. Do a doubleheader there, fly over there and do that, and then play two games here. It's a pain, but baseball can do it like that. The NFL has a few contingencies built into the schedule, which basically means no bye week. But it also means that all teams playing each other in week two have to have the same bye week which means that if something goes wrong, they could play each other. Week three and four have no divisional games, which means the NFL is saying that they can cancel both those weeks if there's some sort of outbreak and not affect the division standings more or less. And then every team has two home games and two away games in the first four weeks, which means if the first month of the season is canceled, then everyone will still have the same amount of home games and road games. So those are things that I would not have thought of, but I don't get paid to do that. Those are smart. Uh, They don't fix anything, but they help a teeny bit, right? But there's still a lot of questions they haven't answered, and that is what happens if a dozen players on a team all test positive on a Friday of a game in week five? the NFL postpone the game until January? Will they scrap the game entirely? What happens if a team tests positive after a game? That would conceivably mean that not only would the positive testing team have to isolate, but their opponent's going to have to isolate as well. Now two teams are out in week five and beyond. Um, You know, if you're running the NFL you could try and fix things by completely revamping the 2020 season plan right now. Now, what, (laughs) what could you do? Well, the first big change people are suggesting is just to make it in the same time period, but make it 12 games long. And then the AFC, NFC matchups completely scrap it. Just go conference and just play 12 games. So, The suggestion I saw was week one through seven, division games only. Everybody will play a total of six games. And like if you look at the champs, the Chiefs would play a home and away, not home and home, home and away with the Raiders, Broncos, Chargers. And you could do that in six weeks, but you leave a week open for contingencies. You actually could bubble those teams for the first seven weeks of the season in their own divisional bubbles. And let's say I mentioned the AFC West, let's say it is the AFC West. They could put everybody in Vegas. If you think about the difference between Denver, Kansas City, and Los Angeles, you could put them in Colorado if you really wanted to as well. Except who the hell wants to go there? Not me. Um, And then weeks weeks eight through 14, I mean, one, one advantage of being a bad team is you get a, a last-place schedule. That's one thing that might be getting thrown out here. But if, you get a, if you're a good team, you get to, I mean, look at the Chiefs right now. They're playing non, uh, non-divisional games against Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, Bills, Texans, Titans. And then you look at the Bengals, and they play teams like Raiders, Chargers, Colts, Jags, Jets, Dolphins. Would that go? I mean, I guess, I guess you could throw those out as well. But postseason wise, you'd have to revamp it because the NHL is having a 24 team playoff. Could you have a 24 team playoff in the NFL? You could. You could have a week one where Bengals play Browns just for playing games. But as I said, I think by now these teams have already decided what they, <laughs> they want to do. But if there's an emergency plan and they decide they do need a bubble, they could put an NFC one um, in Florida, and they could put an AFC one in Los Angeles. They could just do it, um, but I think it'd probably be too late. I think the cat's already in the bag at that point. Questions to come, we will see. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and get on back on Sports who's watching?
3: Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
5: 800-754-4531
14: 426-2301.
9: Matthew.
15: Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me.
7: I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and
11: I know it's because you care.
6: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
11: Business heals all wounds. I mean, look at our relationship with Germany or Japan. Who can even remember what all the fuss was about? <laughs> Tittle, you
17: done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella fine.
8: Oh, what's that all about? All right, uh, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. Let's go down to Florida with Mario. What's going on, Mario?
18: Rick, I think one of the first casualties of COVID in the NFL this year, and and I thought about this, and I'm sure the NFL has as well, and this is anathema to the average sports fan is probably going to be fairness, because I strongly suspect they're going to have to, at one point in the season, make some decisions about the minimum number of games played, and is it going to be more important, your, uh, I guess, record above 500, or number of victories, or, you know, there's going to be some issues they're going to have to settle, and I would, you know, I, I don't know if that's in the works, I don't know if those are contingencies they're uh, assessing at the moment, but I suspect if, for example, you play less than ten games, it doesn't matter if you're nine and one. I don't think you're going to the playoffs. You know, and here's the thing. Here's what I thought about Rick. I think the thing is get to the playoffs with integrity, no matter how you do it. And it may be a team that goes eight and one or nine and one won't have enough games under their belt, and they may have to take another team that maybe went twelve and well, you know, well maybe nine and four, nine and five instead. What do you think of that?
8: I I don't know. <laughs>
18: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't either. You know, it's one of the times, few times in my life, I can honestly say, Rick, I don't know.
8: Well, it's it's going to be weird because, I, like I said, they're, they've had some contingencies, but they're bare bones. It's almost yeah. like on the Titanic, everybody gets a lifesaver instead of building real launches. You know.
18: Yeah, I got an hour later. That's why I ended up in the fix I was. But yeah, everybody gets a <laughs> lifesaver. That's how it's yeah. supposed to go, right? I mean, everything is like Mike Tyson famously said: everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the face, right? Exactly. So By
8: the way I'm know. supposed to I... get him, I'm supposed to get him on the show. We'll see if it happens or not. Really? Yeah, because wow, he's promoting some guess. Shark Week thing.
18: You've had a lot of big guests lately, though, especially from the the Hollywood. You're like, you're gonna be being cast in movies soon, Rick. You're a good good looking big tall fella, huh? you think you could be so like a handsome? Tough, like a Starsky and a Starsky and Hutch kind of, you know, tough that <laughs> hangs out in the background just kinda knows Huggy Bear through some sketchy activities that happened over on Fourth and M. You know, that kind of thing. That's who you'd be.
8: If you had told me that Huggy Bear's son would one day play for the Raiders, yeah. I wouldn't have believed you, yeah. <laughs>
18: Yeah, you look at the genetics and you go, Jesus, Jesus how's he going to get on a team? His dad weighs about 145 pounds, top and wet.
8: <laughs> I know. Plus, Justin Fargus, <laughs> lousy.
18: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, People who don't know, it's just it's right, it's Justin Fargus. Do you watch any of this golf? Because I know you've never really watched golf. But I have to tell you, it's the best view in sports. It's the best thing to watch, Rick. You know,
8: um, I, as I said uh, to uh, my, my guest, Mr. Silva there, I was changing channels and I saw the end of Team Tennis and all I thought of was it was a rerun from 1975, but it really was happening and it was actually kind of exciting. The, the golf, um, I mentioned the other day, I also saw a little bit on Sunday because they did a montage of putts and nine mm-hmm. guys putted in a row and all nine missed. It made me feel better.
18: <laughs> I never played golf, but I did watch it. And, and the thing about it is you don't really – there's not a real energy from the crowd like you get in the NBA, which, by the way, what the NBA should do is buy 10,000 monitors and stick them in the seat and have everybody Bluetooth in so you can hear them scream at the top of their lungs as they're watching <laughs> it live at home. Or they, and I'm telling you, that would actually work fairly well if they did it because you would at least get some uh, authentic noise even with a flight delay. And I think it would be a much more uh, conducive – to a live viewing on TV, or to a viewing on TV. But nobody ever listens to me, even though I know what's best for them.
8: Well, let, let me ask you, as a lifelong Red Sox fan, it's two years ago they had the greatest team in the history of that storied franchise. Yeah,
18: and really good. Really, what, really what, good.
8: What, is, what is the goal? I mean, is are they into this, or are they not into this?
18: That's a weird, That's, a, that's a, a very apt way to phrase the question, because I started thinking about two years ago when, when Mookie Betts walked, Well, wait a minute. Are we now saying to the Red Sox nation, to Red Sox fandom everywhere? All right. You've got this number of World Series in this time period. What we're going to do now is play to play for 88 to 90 wins. Maybe we'll get a break here, break there and see what happens. But we can't compete with the Yankees. We can't compete with the Dodgers. We can't compete with some of the big spending teams. What are you? Are you kidding me? I mean, you you, you went like a hundred years without anything. You think three is enough over the course of fifteen years? I'm sorry, but it's not. Ask the New England Patriots if nine was enough; they would have they'd love to have had a dozen, right? You keep you. Yeah. It's not like it's not like the Red Sox are financially strapped, and you don't have to spend three hundred and fifty million dollars on your payroll if you do it right. But one thing you can do is allow guys like Mookie Betts to walk away.
8: What do you think? Too, I'm going to throw another thing at you apropos of nothing. What do you think, speaking of golf, that John Daly, who eats chicken bones out of dumpsters, pulls out of the PGA out here in San Francisco because he's scared of germs?
18: Well, I mean, listen, he's got a whole lot of comorbidities, doesn't he? I mean, he smokes. He's a great, uh, to, to quote, James Gum in Silence of the Lambs. He's a great fat person. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff he drinks. I mean, there's, there's not. There is not a lot of good if you're not a lot to be gained if you're John Daly, by enroll you know not enrolling by entering a tournament that you probably have very little chance to win. I will say this about John Daly: it, it is, an, at least in golf, probably in my lifetime, the greatest example of wasted talent. Because I think nobody hit a golf ball like that guy in his prime. Here was this what is he? Rick about? Wait, 6' foot tall.
8: I I thought he was bigger than that, but man, I don't know. He's,
18: yeah, he's wide, but you would watch that guy. Even as a chubby fella, you'd watch him just take that club back, and it was like somebody untwisting a, a, a cap on a drink, and then it would explode. And he had t- he had everything, man. It's just ungodly amount of talent, and he threw it all away because you know whatever whatever demons he carried with him certainly came certainly were manifest as he got older and, and in a very public way became very apparent to everyone who watched his it.
8: I love how in the North we would say fat guy, and in the South you say chubby fella.
18: Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't, you know, listen, I'm in the South. I'm not of it. I mean, that's more, that chubby fella is, is. I, I don't know if you know this, Rick, I married a woman from Minnesota, so yeah. there are a lot of uh, uh, phrases like that. Oh, yeah, I use that chubby fella. Uh,
8: you know, oh, you yeah. You say you betcha?
18: You, I don't, I do every once in a while. The one that the one that I use all the time now, and it's very odd to see, a, you know, You've seen me up close. I don't, you know, as I said the other day, I'm not phenotypically Cuban or typically Cuban-looking, but I am Hispanic. And when I say ufta, have you heard that one? Ufta, ufta, yeah, u f f d a. It's a Norwegian. It's a it's a Norwegian or a uh, phrase of Norwegian origin that um, purports to. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a a phrase of exclamation of some surprise or horror or something. Ufta.
8: Well, you know what I used to get because my great grandfather was from Germany, and so he taught it to my dad when he was growing up in Oakland. Whenever he was mad, he would say "akschux," which means oh. nothing.
18: <laughs> really? That's so what? What is, do
8: they say in every... what do they say in Cuba for a uh, uh, sort of um, you know uh, yelling oh, out yeah. when it means um, nothing?
18: Yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm guessing this is not going to have to get. Uh, I don't think this is. This rises to the level of dumping me the way you did once before when I talked about the Seattle weather, but I uh, described it with an SH <laughs> word. But I think, you remember that, Rick? Very rude. So, I, one I, sw- slip I, up I, I described you as Valley. a swear word? I, I said, oh, yeah, it's like SHI blank, blank, Y weather, like they have in Seattle, and you dump me.
8: Well, listen. I don't have the power to dump you because I'm well, on the other side of me. the glass. No,
18: you dumped me. You dumped me that night of the video game. The video game thing. You didn't like. You didn't appreciate that when I insulted video. Well, game I think you, you
8: called know. up and you like you. You <laughs> thought it was some sort of joke show and you made fun of it. <laughs>
18: i said that because to me video games are for children <laughs> i'm just like what do you for you,
8: right? you know what i i used to do this tv show and one of the guys came on the panel and he said it's only sports who cares and you know what they never invited him back
18: <laughs> well anyway the phrase is reconio. Uh, oh yeah. you ever heard that one that's a i think cuba i
8: have one, heard right? that yeah. one yeah i think that You've might that not one? be just cuba
18: yeah, so that's one that's pretty big, and there's a couple of others. But I'm, I'm well, I just like the fact that
8: ones. on on American radio, I can say puta and maricone and pendejo, and no one cares.
18: Yeah, and nobody cares. But if you were to translate those, <laughs> it probably wouldn't work <laughs> out. Well. Really, wouldn't uh, yeah, work it's
8: out. Yeah, like as well it, if it. if I said testa de in uh, yeah. you know, in Italian, that would be bad too. Have you right. heard the well, phrase, hey, thanks for a nothing segment. It helps.
18: Yeah. <laughs> I talked sports, and then you took me to another place. It's not my fault, Rick. <laughs>
8: Yeah. All right. It's true. I have okay. the helm. Thanks for the call, man.
18: Bye.
8: Bye. All right. I'm <laughs> right we'll take a quick break and lines are open on the other side. It's a pandemic, everybody. Come on.
3: Auto Parts has
1: everything you need for your summer car maintenance at great prices. Our professional parts people can help you find the best oil change supplies for your car, like five quarts of Valvoline conventional motor oil and MicroGuard filter, everyday low price, $26.99. For your summer oil change, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh,
3: oh, oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts.
13: With the real estate market evolving, Realtors stand ready to help. Realtors are an expert voice of reason in changing times, and they're working in new ways to guide you through virtual showings and safe closings, to be your ally in the fight for mortgage relief, to understand a neighborhood the way no algorithm can. That's the role of a Realtor. This is a real estate season like no other, and Realtors are ready. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are.
0: teams have four attempts to move the ball ten yards. So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and ten, that means it's the team's first attempt to get
4: ten yards.
17: crazy, use a D-O-G, and if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
8: It what had had happened. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. Well, for the first time in five months, there's finally some finality on the NBA draft landscape because... Yesterday was the withdrawal deadline for underclassmen in college. And so now we get a full scope of how the dust has settled. 156 underclassmen who initially declared has now been whittled down to 64. And as an Arizona State fan, I was surprised to see Remy Martin, yes, just like the booze, out, but if you look around and you see the winners and the losers, more or less. I mean, it just as I said, when you get uh, Remy Martin was the I believe he was the Pac-12 Player of the Year, <clears throat> which I don't understand why he would go back. <laughs> to tell you the truth, um, they did lose to the Sun uh Romello White, but that's because. He uh, transferred, but they got this enrolling five-star recruit named Joshua Christopher, the man with two first names, which is good. So Bobby Hurley down in Tempe has got to be excited about that. If you're an Iowa fan, um, the football program is going through some hard times, uh, maybe deservedly so. But if you look at the basketball program, in the last 20 years, only four players one Big 10 player of the year opted to return the following year. Remember one of those was Draymond Green but he came out. But Luca Garza announced Sunday that he's going back to Ames. And by the way in 3 of the 4 instances the team that welcomed back the reigning Big 10 player of the year won the Big 10. Including last year when Cassius Winston went back to Michigan State. So <clears throat> The only time that the Conference Player uh, of the Year went back was when D. Brown went to went back to the fight in Illini, and they came in second. So, you know, Garza was not a one-hit wonder. You know, he'll likely be the preseason National Player of the Year. He really will. And this is a team that returns a lot of starters. Joe Wieskamp, Jordan Bohannon, who's also all... Those guys are all Big Ten. But... um Fran McCaffrey was a kid the last time Iowa won a conference title, 1979. So this, you know, over 40-year drought, <clears throat> could Iowa win the Big Ten? They're going to be favorites. Uh, the Baylor Bears down there in Wacko. It's Waco, Rick. Well, I can't help it. To me, it's Wacko, Jacko. Um, last season during a stretch from November to mid-February, they won 23 straight games. Do you remember that? The nucleus of the squad is back. Jared Butler and Maceo Teague are coming back. Talk a little bit more about that, but let's go back to the phone lines and go to Hell's Kitchen in Lower Manhattan. Charlie, what you got, buddy? Rick,
21: how are you, my friend? Um, doesn't it feel like the Warriors haven't played a game in about four years? I mean, it seems uh,
8: like a, yes. It there's not, no doubt. It feels exactly like
5: that.
21: I mean, I, I, it just seems like forever, and it's so you know. And this is just an observation. I, I was I was trying. You know, I'm watching bits and pieces of some of these NBA games, and I'm like, when was the last time the Warriors were on the court? Um, regarding the draft, though, who who do you well? Who do you who would you like them to take? assuming they have their choice, say they get the number one overall, you think they should go with the uh, James Weissman or, or, uh,
8: I, I, I am now a little bit more in love with OB Toppin and yes, that's not be... to, that's not to say that, uh, these other guys are useless because I'm, I can tell you that I'm not into LaMelo ball, Um, Anthony Edwards, to me, I I don't know. I'm still, to me, he's another Wiggins. Um, but I know they're trying to get guys for when, you know, Clay and Steph are in their thirties or close, you know, but to me, Obi Toppin, they say now has in 15 years, everybody will be like, why didn't you draft him? So I don't know it always seems like when the Warriors have a chance to do this, like Joe Smith. It's a discussion. There's no there's no admiral waiting there.
21: Yeah, I mean, I've read that Ob Toppin has been climbing up people's charts. And um, again, I'm, I know very little about college basketball outside of when the tournament kicks in. Uh, when the Warriors were putrid, I used to follow college basketball more because I, it was with more value. Um, I mean, James Weissman seems like he's a bit of a project. And I want to capitalize on... The Warriors of where they're at in their careers, and that's what I hear too. This Obi Toppin would be the best fit um, that you could put right in, uh, right away, and, and you know that he that he can help them, you know, play now as opposed to having a uh, or an Anthony Edwards who would be a
8: backup, I guess, to Steph.
21: Um, yeah, I was just uh, just wanted to. Are you? Have well,
8: you the, thing about, the thing about the uh, thing about not to interrupt you, but the thing about Wiseman oh, is that I, I've. And yeah, look, he's got the biggest, as they say, wingspan. He's seven foot one, and he's he's just a kid. He's still growing. But I've heard Steve Kerr say more than once that he doesn't think centers matter anymore. So when yeah. when he's saying that, if he's the best player and and everybody gets together, Bob Myers, what have you, and they go, we got to take him. But when the head coach openly says. He's not really into centers anymore now. If he had a Elijah one, he would be. But I just I don't see them taking this. Not that he's going to be the next um, uh, Purvis Ellison or Patrick O'Brien, but um, you you just try to go with something to, that you know. And the thing about Obi Toppin is that he he plays defense like Draymond, but he shoots threes. So yeah, it's just sorry, a little sorry. bit more of an intriguing guy.
21: Yeah, I, I would be curious to see where they're going to go now. You know, how, what, what kind of team they'll put together, you know. I mean, um, to get them back into contention, you know. you uh, I've stopped reading all the rumor mills, you know, with the, and the Kumpos and the uh, – I mean, I remember one time I called you because I was getting stoked about uh, them dealing with uh, the guys from Philly. Uh, indeed, and, and that uh, – but, you know, I – I think with that mid-level trade and they got the number, they got two ones next year. They got a one this year. I think they, you know, they can get, I think they can assemble a pretty decent team. I mean, I, I disagree that they need another superstar on that roster. I mean, I think if you were just for uh, S and giggles, if you had a starting five of the Clay, Dre, Steph, Wiggins, and maybe someone who's obtainable, like an Aaron Gordon. I mean, I think that's a team. I don't know if they're a championship quality team, but I think that starting five. If that, I'm just using that as an example with a, a strong bench, and you have Ob topping it. I think
8: that's a Let me that- ask you this, Charlie: as someone who's on the East Coast, because I haven't seen a lot of Aaron Gordon's games. He's a Bay Area kid. He's from San Jose. I think you know. We know about the offense. We know about the dunks. Do you know about him as a defensive presence? Uh,
21: it's gotten. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I, I when. When I when I heard that you know last year that they, that that was a player that some of the front office uh, were, of the Warriors were interested in, he his defense has definitely improved. He um, very athletic. You know, I don't know. I think he's twenty five, twenty six. Um, so I, I, I listen. I I I'm not going to lie and say I know him in depth, but mm-hmm. defensively he's definitely improved from when I first watched him and. I think I think you know, and I think he's obtainable as opposed to saying, "Well, we're going to get Andrew DeCumpo, we're going to go out and get Embiid, we're going to go out and get you know uh, Bradley Beal." I th- I think they can, without gutting the team, uh, he's a a type of player who, who because they're very front loaded uh, in the front court, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know their roster offhand, but they I think they acquired they got someone from Portland in there and. I don't, even, I don't even know the guy's names on the team outside of him and Augustine. Um, but apparently they're front-loaded up front, and, and they would like to get more balance. So maybe someone like him. And he's from the Bay Area, so that's why I mentioned him. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll see. All right, Rick, that's all I got for you, buddy.
8: Thanks for the call, Charlie. I appreciate it. That's Charlie out there in uh, Manhattan, Getting a little East Coast. We got Florida. We got New York, and the lines are open. one eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play Getting back to who is in the draft and who's not underclassmen, the deadline is past Stanford down the road here on the farm. They got hit, Jared Hosted, with a very surprise announcement that Tyrell Terry, their freshman point guard who had a tremendous season. Remember, Stanford won 20 games last year. They were looking to have a team with Tyrell Terry leading from the point And then Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams is the highest-rated recruit in basketball in the history of Stanford. And so they thought they really had something there. So they have something, but they thought they were going to be a top-15 team because they had Terry. It doesn't look like it now. Uh, Speaking of uh, champagne, if you like the Illini, you can pop your other type of champagne because Ayo Dusumwu and Kofi Cockburn those were the two best players on a 21-team season, 21-win team season last year. They're both back, which is cool. Um, but Michigan State—they've got some holes to fill. Cassius Winston, obviously, Xavier Tillman, their two best players. And Aaron Henry said he's returning, which is huge for them. But that's also why a lot of people think that the Big Ten is wide open and that the Iowa Hawkeyes, with the Luka Garza, that they could be the team to do it. And then what's funny is that right out here in my conference as a St. Mary's alum, the WBCC, there are some people who think that um, the best returning player in the conference is not from Gonzaga, that it's actually Colby Ross who's decided to go back to Pepperdine. And down there in Malibu, By the way, Pepperdine, it's confusing. They're a fantastically beautiful campus right on Malibu, right on the coast. But the undergrad is Seaver College, like Tom Seaver, Seaver College. The grad school is called Pepperdine. But their sports, they wear Pepperdine on all their uniforms. When you graduate undergrad, you get a degree from Seaver College. And they are also a very strict Christian college, too. Not Catholic, but Christian. No mixed sex in the other dorm rooms, all that stuff. Uh, so, yes, Colby Ross is going back to Seaver College. I'm Rick Dill. <laughs> We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports File.
15: Love. now
16: because you wear all those fancy oh, yeah. and have a big fine car oh yes, do now.
20: at 28 I had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years I did and said things that the sober me never would have done one day I realized I was not invincible I was not exempt And that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call.
5: Elite Rehab can help you start to break your addiction problem and get sober in as little as seven days. And we'll work with your insurance provider to help cover the costs. Plus, we have travel assistance programs to get you here by plane or train. Make this free call right now to learn more. 800-403-5912 800-403-5912 800-403-5912 that's 800-403-5912 hey travelers do you want to save money on your next flight then
0: pick up the phone and call that's right call because the best prices are not online they're with smartfares see smartfares has special deals with the airlines
5: Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 855-325-1780. 855-325-1780. That's 855-325-1780.
15: tax debt so you don't have to worry about having your paycheck garnished or your bank levied. Doesn't that sound great? It sure does, Ronnie. Then do yourself a huge favor and get a free consultation right now. And tell them the tax
5: lady sent you. 855-715-5721. 855-715-5721. 855-715-5721. That's 855-715-5721.
11: To me, it's like a mountain. A vast bowl of pus.
17: Tittle beats his servants.
8: I don't, but as we speak, and I'm going to turn it on right now. We're about ten minutes into the playoff final. This is for the last team to get into the Premier League. That's from Fulham, who've been up before, and Brentford, the Brentford Bees. They have not been in the top flight since my, I have not since I've been a fan since the 80s. They have not been in the top flight, and I'm kind of rooting for them just for some new blood nothing against fulham i was just standing behind craven cottage a few months ago josh anoma is a forward on fulham cottagers as they play in craven cottage they're right next to chelsea there in fact when i went to Stamford bridge to see tottenham v chelsea you got off at fulham broadway on the tube but uh tim ream the american man he's bad He's a center half for Fulham. Remember, Fulham's had a lot of Americans. Clint Dempsey, their most famous goal ever maybe is that goal against Juventus in the UEFA Cup. Um, I guess Europa League at the cottage that Clint Dempsey uh, shipped the keeper. They've had Carlos Bocanegra. They've had some other Americans on the team. But um, this game, multi-million dollar payday to get into the Premier League. Or you can go back playing Canvey Island in the championship, or whoever you're going to play, Lincoln City Imps, Bristol City Pirates. This sometimes has the most exciting finish of any soccer game the entire year. So if you have ESPN+, Plus, turn the playoffs on. Final at Wembley right now. See you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pack time.